We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Please help me welcome right now the Butkus and Bednarik Award winner and the best color analyst at all of college football, Teddy Lehman, everybody. How are we doing, T-Row? I need a drink. Hang are you there. recovered from that? Um... <sighs> That situation down in Waco, that was something, wasn't it? Are you talking about the greatest comeback victory in Oklahoma Sooner football history? Is that what you're referring to? exactly right. And, you know, at first, whenever you you say that, it's like, was that really the greatest comeback? And I guess that's what happens when you don't find yourself behind very often, right? You don't have a, a whole bunch of great comebacks. That's probably true. Unbelievable last night, or excuse me, Saturday night in Waco, 34-31. The Sooners overcome a 25-point deficit, down 21 at halftime, and rally back to win. You've had a couple of nights to sleep on it here. Amazing. What happened? I was hoping you were going to explain that to me. I don't know what happened. Um, I've never seen a game play out that way to where one team dominates the first half totally and the other team dominates the second half totally there was no give and take one way or the other I mean the first half was totally Baylor second half totally Oklahoma amazing and I'll tell you it's it's pretty impressive to go on the road to have a a half of football unfold to where you can't really look at it and take any positives from it. Defense was was giving up yards and points, offensively turning the football over, uh, penalties. Uh, and it's, it's amazing to have that happen and a football team come together at halftime and say, put that behind us and we're going to go out and, and take charge of this game. And they did exactly that. And it happened right from the get-go. You know, defensively forced a turnover on the first series. The, the offense punches it in on the first series. So... Uh, just a just a wild night, really was. There are so many moments from this game where you look back and go, if not for that, or if not for this, 
things could have been wildly different. Let's start by taking a look at uh, Jalen Hurts, the night that he had. And we'll start with first half Jalen Hurts. Our uh, opening segment brought to you by Noble McIntyre at McIntyre Law. Noble is here with us tonight. McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all of your personal injury needs. Teddy, it was a rough first half for everybody, especially Jalen. It was. You know, just gets clipped up here and, and tries to set the hand down for, I mean, just a natural reaction whenever you're off balance and ball comes out and they win the fight for it there at the bottom of the pile. Uh, here's a third and 11. They put us in third long, which is what they love to do. And uh, just, you know, telegraphs this throw and it's easily picked off here. So, yeah, it was it was not a good half. It was, it was pretty ugly for Jalen here in the beginning. I mean, just just a poor throw there sitting on that route third and 11 and uh, they made the play there second half though he was able to get things rolling this is the third quarter down 31 17 although this is the fumble first going in boy that's the moment that you thought might be a backbreaker right there it really was uh here you see lynch who had a great game on their defensive line just gets a paw on there and, and jars that thing loose and they're able to recover it and, yeah, it did feel like, okay, we had this great momentum coming out of halftime and maybe that stymies it. But, no, wasn't the case. We got a good stop defensively and got the football back. It may, however, be the greatest game any college quarterback has ever had with three turnovers because he was unbelievable <laughs> right. in the second half. He was, you know, and he even had a, another fumble in the second half that he was able to scoop up. And, you know, I, he took some shots. Uh, this Baylor defense was violent. They tackled well, and he just kept trucking, just kept on going, kept firing the football. Uh, Lincoln called a great game. He had a lot of help from a lot of different players out there that that really chipped in. Uh, just a just an unbelievable night. Again, to be able to answer after having so many things go wrong, specifically for Jalen to come back and have the second half he did and the game he did is just fantastic. 30 for 42, 297 passing yards, 114 yards on the ground. He had four touchdowns. There's the game tire to Braden Willis and the Sooners would rally back. And it sounds crazy, but Jalen Hurts had three turnovers and might have gone up in the Heisman race on Saturday night. I, you know what's interesting is I think I agree with you on that, and I think it does a couple of other things. You know, if Oklahoma goes down there and wins this football game by two touchdowns against Baylor, well, okay, yeah, maybe we expected that from Baylor. No one was giving them a whole lot of credit. But, you know, we, we find ourselves down big. Baylor is definitely uh, has shown that they are the real deal. I think everyone is, you know, if we do match up with them and it looks like we're going to the Big 12 championship, I think it's one of those things where uh, we saw game one. I think we better tune in for game two. That's going to be worth a, a, a viewing experience. So I think all of a sudden, you know, this has helped out Oklahoma quite a bit to, to show that this Baylor team is legit, gets Jalen back on the 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 map for the Heisman with the Heisman moment the the you know greatest comeback that we've seen in Oklahoma history so yeah I think there's a lot of positives solid night for Kennedy Brooks he was a workhorse 18 carries he had 93 yards on the night they were able to kind of body blow body blow Baylor with the running game all night and beat him through the air and without CD Lamb the kids came up big 
Austin Stogner, his first two receiving touchdowns in a Sooner uniform for the true freshman. In a second here, you're going to see Theo Weiss, who had a fantastic touchdown in the second half comeback. Braden Willis made it into the end zone. They needed help, Teddy, from other receivers since CD was out of the game, and the kids delivered. No, they did, and I think it was it was fantastic to see all these different guys get involved. Uh, heck, you even had Drake Stoops jog out there for that first punt return, and uh, got a bunch of radars up with that deal. So, I mean, there's there's tons of different guys that stepped up. Uh, we Stevenson, Ramondre Stevenson comes out, you know, after Trey Sermon goes down and, and you know, shows that he's got some stuff. Stogner, obviously, Braden Willis catches a, a touchdown pass. You know, just spreading the football around. And I honestly, I believe that to be a positive. I think C.D. Lamb is unbelievable. I really do. But... It's more difficult to defend an offense that spreads it around to multiple people than whenever you know where the football's going to go most likely. So I, I thought it was fantastic group effort offensively. That's the night for the offense. Let's talk about the night for the defense. It was identical. First half couldn't stop them to save their lives. Charlie Brewer's running through them like a hot knife through butter. Second half, they completely turn off the faucet. And Baylor couldn't do anything. And they came up with a couple of takeaways. They sure did. Uh, massive takeaways that we absolutely had to have. And, you know, you said you can point to a bunch of different plays throughout that game that this had to happen. I firmly believe that the play of the game was the hasty fumble on that first possession by Baylor. First play that they had, they break it on an explosive run, and we turn that into a turnover. I think mindset-wise for our defense, that was huge. Um, yeah, I mean, just fantastic stuff. First half, they had a couple of game plan things that they were hitting us with, some some Brewer running game, quarterback draw stuff that, that we were playing pretty conservatively. In the second half, we got really aggressive. Our defensive line played great, uh, led by that young man right there, Ronnie Perkins, three sacks. He is a grown man and had a fantastic football game. He's probably deserving of a game ball with the effort that he put out there. But I think the aggression changed. And the fact that you got a couple of a, a turnover and a couple of three and outs, and all of a sudden we're in the fourth quarter, and these guys are fresh, you know, hardly having to defend at all in the second half. Offensively, you want to be in rhythm. Baylor was completely out of rhythm whenever you're standing over on the sideline. And defensively, you got your legs under you. It's completely different to defend 16 plays as opposed to 58 like Baylor had to defend. All right, take a look at this graphic. This is Baylor, what they did in the first half on the left, what they did in the second half on the right, and some numbers that will jump out at you here. Obviously, the yardage, but time of possession in this game was unbelievable. They had it for 13 minutes in the first half, which is still less than half of the first half, but only five minutes and 40 seconds of possession of the 30 total minutes available in the second half. They never made it into the red zone and ran only 16 plays in half number two. Yeah, 16 of them and the majority of those, well, I guess not the majority, but a chunk of those came on that final drive when you're in kind of a two-minute type of situation, but yeah, fantastic stuff. More aggressive, winning on the defensive line, never let them get in rhythm, forced fumbles, uh, had a game-winning interception, which I feel like is kind of the norm. Isn't that, doesn't that happen pretty often with us whenever yeah. our defense absolutely has to have a stop in a close game? We get a pick or some type of turnover late, and just kind of Johnny on the spot defensively, but 
Fantastic. Cornell Motley had two or three of those last year. Yeah, I mean, seal games. This is the flip side of that. Here's Oklahoma. First half on the left, second half on the right. 368 total yards. A jaw-dropping 58 plays on offense in the second half and 24 plus minutes time of possession on third down they go eight for ten amazing it it really was and those third downs they converted third and longs they converted third and shorts they converted third and medium they had absolutely everything going you know rule has oklahoma and what a fourth and three elects to take the penalty to put it back at for third and 13 and we convert it with a long play that goes all the way down inside the five yard line and you feel like the way that they've played defense for for most of the year that that's exactly the situation you want good chance to get off the field there and they can't do it so uh great stuff great stuff for us um both offensively and defensively in the second half all right here it is by the numbers biggest comeback in OU history 25 points down against Baylor the previous record was 21 points down they did that twice 1981 at Kansas State they trailed 21 zip 1970 at Iowa State they trailed 21 nothing so all three of these comebacks on the road but this is the biggest. I feel pretty firm that this Baylor team is was a fringe top 10 team. Quite a bit better than Kansas State in 81 and Iowa State in 70. You know, those were not highly ranked football teams. So I think that makes the 25-point comeback even more special. Drive of the Games brought to you by AAA Insurance. At home or on the road, AAA's got you covered. It is the game-winning drive. The Sooners climbed uphill all night to tie the thing up at 31 apiece. They force a punt, and now they need points to take the lead, Teddy. And here's how it unfolded. It started with a negative play. It did. Uh, Baylor bringing pressure, gets a sack there, puts us behind the chains. And then a second 16, we get a really long run here by Kennedy Brooks. A nice blocking out on the edge. A tired defense that's been chasing them around for 50-some plays. Uh, really good stuff here. And here's Jalen finding his way out of some traffic. You know, almost another sack and turns that into a first down. Hertz moves him into field goal range at this point. And then it's just kind of about Lincoln trying to figure out how he wants to work it. Takes a shot at the end zone. Perhaps they weren't expecting that. Can't connect with Theo Weiss. Going to throw it again over the middle. Picks up a first down that definitely now takes him into field goal range. And now Matt Rule has to start using timeouts. And then I I believe it's on this drive. Here it is. Here's the play right here I was about to reference. Jalen on a poor snap picks it up back there behind the 40-yard line. Huge play. And is able to turn it into an incomplete pass. You know, who, who knows if he mishandles that or doesn't pick it up cleanly. Kennedy Brooks takes it to the 17. On third down, Charleston Rambo cannot get the first down, but he... Is able to put Gabe Burkich a little bit closer for a 31-yard field goal try. A near delay of game the first time. He had to try it again, and he drained it. How about He's 12 this for 12 on the year. I mean, no big deal. You kicked the first one pure. Look over to the sideline. Oh, I've got to do it again. No nerves whatsoever. Just steps up there and strikes another one right down the gut. That's pretty impressive. Gabe Burkich, one of five remaining kickers in America that has yet to miss a field goal this year, and it's the first time that Oklahoma has had a game-winning field goal, meaning a field goal to take the lead in the final couple minutes since 1998. It's I feel been like, 21 years. I feel like I just had this conversation with someone this the week leading up to that game as we were trying to think of a time we've had a game-winning field goal and, and couldn't put one together, and... I, amazing. Really, really special. Had some great kickers around here. Remember they were driving against Kansas State a couple of years ago. 
trying to set up an Austin Seibert game winner, and Rodney Anderson just took it into the end zone. Well, Those running backs are so, you know, <laughs> so selfish. Still all the glory. Unbelievable night. We're going to talk a lot more about it. Stay with us. When we come back, though, we're going to take a look at the opponent coming up this Saturday night, the Horned Frogs of TCU. We're at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. This is The Huddle. We'll be back. Institute's Bedlam Blood Battle, November 18th through the 22nd. Text OBI4OU to 999-777 for details. The Huddle is brought to you by Bud Light. This football season, keep it crisp with Bud Light. Red Carpet Charters, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Homeland, proud sponsor of Sooner Football. AT&T. More for your thing, that's our thing. The Sooner Sports Podcast is your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. Listen as Toby Rowland and Chris Plank talk all things Sooners. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday. And all you have to do is log on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast to listen to old shows and subscribe to always get the newest episodes. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate and Riverwind. Walden Cleaners and Laundry, where the difference is quality. And Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. From the 40, Brewer wasn't expecting the snap. He's got it. Quick throw out. It is. Yes. Intercepted. He got it Intercepted. this time. Intercepted. It was Benito. You can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the barn. In Waco, Texas, Lincoln Riley by the defense. took a house in disrepair and refurbished it into their own palace on the banks of the Brazos. Unbelievable. Okay. You feel like you overdid it there or no? That guy needs to calm down. <laughs> Uh, who, that guy, uh, Hoodie Roland on the call? Hey, the hoodies worked. I know. The hoodies worked. Um, do we roll with it to start off the TCU game good, or what? Uh, that's a good question. Or do we I, keep it in our back pocket unless we, you know, absolutely have to have it? Are you asking, do we go hoodies all the time from here out? Right. Or do we say only when we need to turn the tide? It's a discussion. Mm. Going to have to have it. It's a big decision. Uh, we pose the questions. You decide, people. We'll figure out, I guess, on Saturday. All right, let's talk about TCU, the Horned Frogs of Gary Patterson coming to town. Fresh off a nice win, Teddy, at Texas Tech last week. Here's a look at the series history between these two teams. OU a 14-5 advantage. They've won five in a row, but it seems like they're always tight, always tough. Of course, they played in the first return of the Big 12 championship two years ago. And I think TCU maybe plays them. I shouldn't say tougher. They beat them down in Fort Worth a couple of times. But when they come to Norman, they always play them tough. Yeah, I mean, it, this game has been played in uh, a bunch of different circumstances. Um, this one is interesting yet again. You've got what we always expect, a great TCU defense. Um, they've, they've got great players, all three levels. And they found a quarterback now in the, the young freshman Dugan, and who, who's they've kind of handed it over to him. They were back and forth throughout most of the season. 
they've handed the reins to him and he's done a pretty good job. Um, I do think it's interesting and I know that TCU is different defensively in what they do than Baylor and Iowa State and, and even Kansas State, but I do think that Gary Patterson is going to look at these recent games and have a really good game plan defensively to where they feel like they've got a got a chance to uh, at least maybe slow down our offense. So um, there's some interesting stuff in this matchup to me, you know, and I feel like it's going to be another tight football game. That's that's just kind of the norm right now in the Big 12. I think the middle tier of the Big 12 is is really good. I think they you know, don't get a whole lot of credit nationally because they always knock each other off. But, you know, I would put the middle tier of the Big 12 up against anyone. 19th season for Gary Patterson, second longest tenured head coach in uh, Division One, and he's done it for a lot of years with defense. Let's talk about the team he's got this year, and we'll start on offense. Max Duggan is playing better football. He's been getting better and better the last few weeks. And um, solid performance down in Lubbock as well. He can run a little yeah, bit too, Teddy. He really can. He's got great escapability out of the pocket. He's a really good athlete in the open field. Uh, you see him weasel out of a bunch of different problems back there in the pocket. And, you know, here's the thing that is really going to change the, the offense for TCU is when they start throwing the ball deep to, to Jalen Rager. He's one of the best receivers in the Big 12. He's underutilized. But if they start dialing him up deep, that changes everything for them. But, again, you look, you look at uh, Dugan and, and the way he runs the football, it's, it's a game changer for them. It really is. They haven't had a, a good athlete at quarterback in a while. And uh, Kenny Hill was okay. But um, you go back to whenever they were their best with Boykin, and I'm not saying he's on his level. But it just it changes the dynamic for them offensively for sure. Number one, Jalen Rager in a conference full of talented wide receivers. This guy is uh, up near the top. He's fantastic. Uh, he's he's unbelievable. Super fast. Great route runner. Exceptional after the catch. But they just don't throw him the football a whole heck of a lot. You know, and, and whenever you've got an offense that struggles through the air, you know, defensively, you can, you can really um, – lean your coverage to one side and give quite a bit of help to him. And I think that's what's occurred. You know, one of the interesting things about TCU, this will be the best rushing football team that we've faced this year by quite some margin. Uh, they average over 200, uh, 200 yards a game running the football. And we've had some struggles there. And when people can run the football on us, uh, as we know, they can hang on to the football. They can limit possessions and uh, turn it into a close football game, especially whenever you tie the ability to run the football with the ability to play really good defense. And we know TCU can do that. Shea Alana Lua, Darius Anderson, mm -hmm. both very good running backs. Alana Lua. Big kid. They'll put him in the Wildcat a little bit and snap it to him, and he's tough, especially in short yardage situations. Yeah, it's a good change of pace, too. you got a 235, 240-pounder, and then you switch it to uh, to the uh, Anderson kid, who's a, a little bit of a more shifty guy. It's a good little one-two punch. And here's the other aspect of that, talking about the quarterback. When you add in the factor, uh, as we've seen in our offense with a quarterback that can run it, it becomes very difficult to defend. Saw a very good defense last week in Baylor. We're going to see another good one this week. 
TCU gives up the fewest yards in the Big 12. They give up the fewest rushing yards per game in the Big 12. What do you think about them on that side of the ball? I think they're fantastic as always. Uh, They've got uh, great defenders, as I said earlier, at at all three levels. They got uh, defensive backs that, or excuse me, defensive linemen that can rush the the passer, put pressure on them there in the pocket, force the ball out maybe before they want. Uh, They're really good in the secondary at disguising what they do. Um, You know, they're going to be missing their best corner for the first half after a blatant targeting in this Texas Tech game. So I think that is going to be a factor. Uh, They got the Garrett Wallow kid, number 30, at the linebacker position, who is a fantastic football player. He's all over the field, really good tackler in open space, high effort guy, high motor guy, can run sideline to sideline. So, again, it's, it's a defense like Gary Patterson always has that's stacked with talent. Wallow has 97 tackles already on the year. Far and away, almost double anybody else on the team for TC. And he, and he is, I mean, he's really good. You'll see him in coverage. You'll see him man-to-man zone coverage. He's a good blitzer. Uh, you know, he's, he's good in the open field whenever he's up against guys that maybe you would say are typically a better athletic type of body type. So he's a good player. All right, stay with us, folks. Coming up, we've got, of course, Teddy's Butkus Brain Teaser for Lincoln Riley tonight. We've got our Pick'em segment over and under. Lincoln's coming up in about a half hour. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Big 12 and the new college football playoff rankings just released. We'll have those for you coming up in a bit on the huddle here at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Get your officially licensed Sooners gear at Academy Sports and Outdoors, preferred sporting goods retailer of Oklahoma Athletics, Bud Light. This football season, keep it crisp with Bud Light. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one. Another wild weekend in the Big 12. Tight finishes all over the place, including in Ames. Mm. Texas visiting Iowa State. This one, Teddy, goes to the final second. Black unis for Iowa State. I thought that was interesting. Took me a while to figure out what was going on. (laughs) But a great football game. Yet another one-score football game in the Big 12. Uh, Amazing stuff. Texas now with four losses. Uh, Last-second field goal by Iowa State. Uh, just a wild football game is what we come to expect and it probably be the same thing this week. There's there's some more good ones. So uh, pretty amazing. Texas, the fall that they've had uh, as a team expected, you know, maybe to, to push for a college football playoff, push for a Big 12 championship now with four losses and uh, no guarantees moving forward. They play Baylor this week in Waco. And then a Texas Tech team who's no pushover for the fa- uh, last game of the season. So we'll see with Texas. Connor Sally, 36-yard game winner in that one for Iowa State. Meanwhile, this one came out of the blue. West Virginia goes into Manhattan and gets Neil Brown's first real big win as the head coach of the Mountaineers. I wish I had an explanation for this. Um, all I can say is, who knows in the Big 12? You've got good football teams top to bottom. 
good talent top to bottom. And, you know, if you don't show up and play your A game, anyone can beat you. They got good quarterback play. West Virginia did. See here a bust. A guy gets behind the defense. And next thing you know, you're getting late in the football game. You got to go down the field. And the crazy thing is he has him for a touchdown, Mm. and it's a poor throw. You know, here with uh, under a minute to go, they run a great route. He didn't make too many of those against Oklahoma, did he? No, I mean, he was perfect against us and not so much against West Virginia, but a close football game, a good football game. Here's your scoreboard. Oklahoma State, no problem with Kansas in Stillwater. And there's the other three decided by two, three, and four points respectively. TCU and Texas Tech was in there too, and that was a tight one. That's right. So that's not not here on the the graphic. But what was that? A two or two or three point win? Yeah, TCU pulled out a tight one there as well. You're exactly right. Big Twelve standings updated now, and it's not official yet that it'll be OU and Baylor Big Twelve championship game. There are some uh, things that could happen uh, that could prevent that. But basically, the easy way to uh, say it is that OU and Baylor's magic numbers are each one. They each need one more win or the right team to lose, and they will guarantee themselves a spot in Arlington. Well, I I think you, that's what you want. Obviously, you know, you want a one-loss Oklahoma against a one-loss Baylor. Uh, you want Baylor as highly ranked as possible heading into this thing, and plus you get to root for Baylor to beat Texas. You get to see hopefully see <laughs> Texas lose again for a fifth loss. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be, again, if you can have Oklahoma and Baylor playing in the Big 12 championship after what they gave us in uh, the the first game down there in Waco, I think people would want to tune in for that football game. Yeah, that would be highly anticipated. Uh, Highest, what does it say today? The highest TV ratings for a Big 12 game in a long, long time. Over 6 million people, I believe. Here we go. Big 12 schedule this week. K-State goes to Lubbock. Kansas and Iowa State will play up in Ames. There's that Texas-Baylor game you're talking about. 2.30 in Waco on Saturday. It's going to be interesting to see how Baylor comes out in that one. Again, yet another week where I could see any scenario in pretty much any of these football games. I think Kansas has slowed down a little bit. I think Iowa State will handle that. But Kansas State, Texas Tech, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Texas, Baylor, I think Baylor has a good shot in that. But they're coming off of an emotional yeah. game, loss at What's home. What's their mindset? Where they had that? a big lead and, you know, dropped their first game of the year. So there's a chance for a letdown there with Baylor. Oklahoma State with Bedlam looming goes out to West Virginia for an 11 a.m. kickoff. Which I guess West Virginia probably got their attention with that win over yeah. Kansas State. But, again, there's there's another game. Who knows what happens? By the way, if you haven't heard by now, we now know the kickoff time for that Bedlam game coming up in two weeks. It will be a fourth consecutive primetime game, 7 o'clock kickoff on Owen Field for, or excuse me, in Stillwater for uh, OU and OSU. All right, we've reached the time of the show now. Teddy, uh, I'm sure you saw it. I think uh, last week's Butkus brain teaser, much like the football game, was the most dramatic that we've ever had. He thought about it. He thought about it. He went into stall tactic, and eventually he was able to dig it out of the recesses of his brain. Well, you had to kind of pry it out of him, or him at, at one point. We it, had a show to do. <laughs> right. I needed him to answer. Uh, so what do you got for him tonight? Well, uh, and you don't know this play, and I've really limited to people that I'm telling now because I do have a uh, – I'm worried a little bit about leaks – um, I thought about maybe putting this in a secure server so no one <laughs> figures out exactly what the play is going to sure, be. Yeah. 
but we're going to 2017. So you haven't told me what the play is. I have not told okay. you what the play is. The only person I've told is our producer. Now, his ethics, I just don't know. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll have to find out. But we're going to the 2017 Big 12 championship game against Texas Christian University. Okay? Mm -hmm. First quarter, there's 11.28 left in the first quarter. Plus 30-yard line going in. So we're on the 30-yard line going in on the left hash. Score is 0-0. It is second down, 10 yards to go. All right. First quarter, yep. 11.28 to go. Ball's on the 30 going in. Left hash, no score. Second and 10. That's right. We don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. We'll see if that guy knows what it is That's coming right. up in about an hour. We'll take a timeout when we come back around the rest of the world of college football and those updated college football playoff standings here on The Huddle at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's 2019 football games are available on Exodus 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to Soonersports.com kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OGMD, brought to you in part by Orthodontics Experience. Exclusively. Here we go. Let's take a lap around college football. This is one of the big games of the day on Saturday down in Auburn, Georgia, able to go on the road, built a big lead and held on for a 21-14 win over Auburn. Uh, Georgia all of a sudden looking like a team that mm -hmm. may be the best in the SEC, dare I say. Defense, mm. number one ranked defense in the SEC. Offensively, just quietly, methodically, you know, put up some decent points. Had that ugly loss, obviously, to South Carolina, but they are playing really good football. Anyone that thinks that LSU is just going to steamroll Georgia in the SEC championship game, maybe we need to take a closer look at Georgia. Meanwhile, one week after their big win over Penn State, Minnesota goes uh -huh. on the road can't get it done against the Hawkeyes. It's a tough Iowa football team. You know, they've played a lot of, uh, of really good close football games this year. Wanted Minnesota to keep the dream alive here, but uh, take a, a, a tough loss. That's a tough place to go play. Yeah. Iowa is. That's a rowdy crowd. Iowa City's uh, pretty rambunctious, and they played a good, tough, competitive football game against a, a good opponent, so just came up a little bit short. See what happens with Minnesota down the stretch. 23-19, Minnesota falls in Kinnick Stadium. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow, another big night. LSU goes on the road and hammers Ole Miss 58-37. Uh, frozen there, I guess, is Joe Burrow. But he puts up a ton of yards, over 400 yards passing. I guess the question coming out of this game, Teddy, is really about the LSU defense a little bit mm -hmm. they've given up a bunch of points a bunch of yards 37 to Ole Miss well you know I think what LSU has found out whenever you score offensively a bunch and score quickly 
The other team gets a lot of possessions as well, and your defense ends up being out on the field for extended periods of time. I mean, it's a different formula for them. We're used to uh, LSU being a pro-style offense, eye formation, heavy run, um, not very good throwing the football, and all of a sudden they've got a high-flying explosive offense, and the other side of the football started to struggle a little bit. What is going on with them looks a lot like Oklahoma the last few years. What? Putting up a ton of points on offense, mm -hmm. but it's also costing them a little bit defensively. It cost them defensively. I'll tell you what I love. I love the second half against Baylor where we were going on 10, 12, 14 play, extended drives, running the clock, letting our defense sit there on the sideline, uh, going through adjustments, letting their uh, legs get back under them, and you're over there stressing that other defense. I think that's a great way to win, and uh, it's, it's tough to overcome. If, if your offense is not on the field, they're standing over on the sideline, not in rhythm, it's difficult. All right, let's take a look at how we did in the Pick'em segment last week. Every week on the show, we pick five games in college football, and uh, last week, Louisiana Tech at Marshall. Tilly, the only one that got that right. He you had see, Marshall. And I knew there was something up with this. He he threw those games in there knowing that, you know, I, he knew something. That's why he snuck that in there. Central Michigan, his alma mater wins at Ball State. We had that one right. Georgia at Auburn. Teddy, you're the only one that missed that game. Texas at Iowa State was a clean sweep, and none of us were right. We all had the Golden Gophers, but look up top there. Tilly, our producer now, Zach Tilly, a three-game lead on the field. It's just interesting. You know, the guy picking the games that we're going to select during the broadcast is, mm -hmm. is winning the thing. Interesting. Fishy. It's fishy is what it is. All right, well, here's the games this week, Teddy, and we start with uh, the SEC. Texas A&M goes to Georgia between the hedges. Yeah, uh, give me Georgia. Georgia's playing really good football right now. Their their defense is, is uh, really just taking the grasp of the SEC right now. And offensively, nothing special, but uh, they're good. They're good quarter, quarterback play. Don't turn the football over a whole lot. Uh, offensive line has been solid. Good running game. Give me Georgia. I'll take Ugga as well, and I think it could get ugly on Saturday. I think they're going to pound Texas A&M. Our producer, Zach Tilly, taking Georgia as well. All right, to the Big 12, Texas at Baylor. Well, as we talked earlier, I think this is an interesting spot for Baylor. Um, the swing and emotion for them hosting a game day, hosting a team like Oklahoma, a lot of national attention. You play so good in the first half, and then you dive bomb in the second. And not that they played horrible in the second half. I mean, they really didn't. They just... You know, they, they ran out of steam and Oklahoma beat them to the finish line. And I'm just I'm, I'm wondering how they bounce back from that. They're at home, which is good. They've got a Texas team coming to town, which is going to be desperate. Don't know that that matters. Baylor's the better football team. Uh, I don't know that there's any question in my mind. I'm taking them to win, but it is interesting. And if I know Baylor, it's going to come down to the last possession. It, it always does with them. <laughs> it's a fascinating psychological showdown here Matt Rule has to take a team that is devastated mm -hmm. and get them back up to play another huge football game uh, honestly they've played better on the road this year than at home but Texas is also coming off a very similar situation they got beat at the horn by a field goal by Iowa State I don't think Texas is going to be good enough in the end to go into Waco and win I'm going to take Baylor as well. You're right. It probably comes down to a final play. Tilly's on board. He's got the Bears. 
SMU having a great season at Navy. Give me SMU. Um, Navy, didn't they just get uh, hammered by Notre Dame Correct. pretty good? So give me SMU, uh, high-flying offense. Uh, Bouchelle's played really good there at quarterback. I'll take uh, the Mustangs to get this one. No, I agree. And if they get out in front, Navy's not built to come from right. behind. I think they will. I'll take SMU as well. Tilly going with the Navy. How about that? That, that makes me what nervous you know? a little bit. Another random game thrown in there, and he's bucking the trend. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Pitt at Vautech in the ACC. Pitt <laughs> at Vautech. Um, I'm going to take Virginia Tech. It's funny because the ACC outside of Clemson is not very good at all. Right. I mean, it's 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 kind of a <laughs> kind of a disaster, quite frankly. And what's interesting is the winner of this football game may have a decent chance of going to the Orange Bowl. Correct. So <laughs> it's it's wild. Pitt and Virginia Tech. Give me Virginia Tech at home. That can be a difficult place to play. I'll take the former Sooner, Justin Fuente, as well, and Virginia Tech to defend the home field. Looks like Tilly's on board with that. Now back to the Big 12 in a game we do care about, Kansas State at Texas Tech. Tech, I guess. I mean. With conviction, he says. I mean, if Kansas State that played Oklahoma shows up, will they win the football game? If the Kansas State that plays West Virginia shows up, will Tech wins the football game? So uh, give me Texas Tech um, at home. I think this is, a, this is a good fighting football team. I actually like what Jet Duffy's done this year yeah. at quarterback. He's been pretty good. Um, maybe maybe a, a higher scoring football game than Kansas State's used to. Give me Texas State. I'm disappointed in Kansas State. I feel like they, they peaked when we rolled into town, and since then they've been going downhill. They had a chance to get into the Big 12 championship game if they could have got their act together. I think Texas Tech's going to beat them out in Lubbock. I think they've crescendoed, and they're on their way down. Tilly's going Kansas State. He's going to take it the other direction. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, those college football playoff rankings and over-under as we wrap up the show. Lincoln Riley's right around the corner. Stay with us. Thank you to our Cornerstone Television partners, OU Medicine, Anheuser-Busch, and OU Extended Campus, and our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Devon Energy, Coca-Cola, and OU Medicine. All right, here they are, folks. Just released the brand-new college football playoff rankings by the committee, uh, number nine there, you see Oklahoma moves up just one spot, highlighting the rest. If you go all the way down there to 25 and start up, Iowa State at 22, Oklahoma State at 21, Baylor drops back one spot to 14. And then the four playoff teams right now would stay the same as last week, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Bama stays at five. We'll see what happens after uh, they play a game or two without Tua. Oregon 6, Utah 7, Penn State 8. Sooners move in front of Minnesota, who falls to 10. Your reaction, Ted Lane? Well, um, I honestly thought Oklahoma would be a little bit higher than that. Um, I guess it's it's not too shocking that they're at number 9. Um, I like the fact that they kept Baylor fairly highly ranked at 14. I think that's a good Baylor football team. Um, I, I don't know. It's interesting that Oregon-Utah matchup at, you know, rank six and seven ahead of Oklahoma is fascinating to see how that, that you know, unfolds. I feel like we've got to make up some ground there if we're going to want to get in. Yeah, I think this was pretty disappointing tonight for Oklahoma. First off, 
I thought Baylor might stay the same. They dropped one spot. That's not a big deal. I thought Oklahoma would jump up to seven or at least eight. And maybe even, you know, there was a chance for more than that. The win at Baylor on the road in the manner it happened. I, for the life of me, can't figure out what the committee likes about Utah. I, I can't figure that out. That's the big mystery to me. I, I think they're a good team, but you look at that resume, and there's nothing close to a win like the win at Baylor on that resume. Right. Well, I, I'll tell you what I, I think is good for Oklahoma, and it's more so about Baylor. Uh, Michigan plays Ohio State. Uh, Wisconsin, I believe, plays Minnesota. Um, so some of these teams are going to play each other, and there's going to be some losses there. So I think there's a really good chance for Baylor to move up quite a bit these last couple of weeks before that Big 12 championship game. Uh, Penn State also. Ohio State's got a tough little um, group of games coming up. Penn State and then yeah. Michigan. So there's a chance someone uh, hands Ohio State their first loss. If not, you're going to be clearing out Michigan. You're going to be clearing out Penn State. So that I mean, Pac-12 is a problem, though. I know it is. I mean, those two teams are going to play each other, and and you know the winner's going to get a lot of credit for that. So something's got to give there in the Pac-12. That's why I think tonight Oklahoma needed to move in front of Utah, and it didn't happen. And I that that doesn't bode well. I don't think. Do you know who Utah has left? I know they they've not off the top of my head. I think. yeah. I, I, That'll be interesting. It doesn't seem like uh, there's a game that you feel like they're in, in serious jeopardy of dropping before they get to that Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, um, I guess if it if it comes to that, you're rooting a Pac-12 championship, you're rooting for Utah to win the thing uh, with a loss to, to Southern Cal, which is not a good loss for them. So I don't know. We'll see how it unfolds. All right, let's go over under. And then if we have time, I want to pose a question to you at the end. Over under, first off, let's take a look back at how we did last week for the uh, Baylor game. Here you go. Half a fumble recovered by OU. That indeed happened. It was uh, Pat Fields that scooped it up. That was an over. One and a half receptions for Braden Willis. He had <laughs> a big uh, one. He had one. And it was the game-tying touchdown. <laughs> Pretty impressive. So the under hits there. 20 and a half completions for Charlie Brewer. You tried to warn me. He had 18. It was barely under. And one and a half combined fourth down conversions. I believe there was just the one on Saturday. So there you go. Look up at the top there, the standings. I've got the lead by three over Teddy. And uh, Tilly is uh, well in the distance. So Nicely here we go. done, T-Row. Over under for this week. First off. OUTCU, 199 and a half rushing yards for OU. Will the Sooners get to 200 yards rushing? I think they will. I do think TCU's defense is, is outstanding. They're the best against the run in the conference, but uh, Oklahoma's going to go 200. We went over 200 against both Baylor and ISU. Those are really good defenses as well. I, I can't see a scenario where we don't go over 200 yards. I think it's, you know, I can't tell you who the leading rusher is going to be, but I think we do go over the 200 mark. Well, I got a pretty good idea who the leading rusher is going to be. It's going to be Jalen Hurts. Hurts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the key here is you add in Jalen Hurts' rushing yards, and it's really hard to keep Oklahoma under that 200-yard mark. And I think, you know, the formula they found in the second half last week against Baylor – Maybe they just keep it going, and there was a lot of run game in that as well. I'll take the over, and Tilly is also going to take the over. 49 and a half receiving yards for OU running backs in this game. 
I'm going under on this. Um, I, just a hunch. I know we started throwing some of the swing routes and, and different things to get our backs involved against Baylor. I'm going under. I think this is a, a downfield passing attack against TCU. And, you know, we're not a we're not a check down team. You know, it's it's not necessarily just first read and go for Jalen, but pretty close to that. If the first read's not there, maybe his underneath to, to one of the, the drag routes isn't there, he's going to take off and, and run with the thing. So I'm going under on that. This is a dicey one, and I just want to clarify that we're not including H-backs. That's how I played it, that we weren't including Hall. And so just running backs, uh, it could very well go over. I'm going to take the under as well. You know, a lot of those swing passes, they'll throw to Charleston Rambo mm -hmm. or Theo Weiss or some of the H-backs and stuff. So I think it's going to be the under, yes? Well, I'm, I can I can easily see the scenario where can it, they have one catch and it's Kennedy Brooks taking a swing route 70, 70 yards. 70 yards so. and it goes over in one right. play. Tilly's got the over here. 49 and a half rushing yards for Max Duggan. I'm going over. I think this is going to be a close football game. I think that um, that this is a strength of TCU's offense right now, uh, finding out that, that he's really athletic with the football. Uh, some of it's going to be some called run stuff to keep us honest up front playing uh, Alana Lua and, and uh, Anderson a little bit tighter. But also some of it's going to be just scrambling. He's a, he's a really good scrambling quarterback. We saw in that uh, Texas Tech game getting out of some really difficult situations, squeezing out of what looked like sure sacks to turn into big positive. So I'm going over. Um, I'm going to take the over as well. Quarterbacks have had success on the ground against Oklahoma this year. And this guy can run too. So I think he'll have over that mark anyway. I don't know if it was uh, a little higher, maybe not. But I think he'll have at least 50 yards rushing. Tilly's taking the over as well. Finally, Jalen Hurts, a four-touchdown performance last week. We're setting the bar at four-and-a-half this week. Total touchdowns, passing and rushing for Hurts. I'm going under. I'm going under. Uh, this is something he could easily surpass, but I think he's drawing a lot of attention as they get, uh, attention as they get closer to the goal line. Uh, some of those plays have been quarterback powers. We saw that we threw some stuff off of it. Um, uh, Stogner had his first touchdown off of one of those fakes down inside the goal line. And I, I'm just I'm going under. I think this may be a game where the running backs have to churn out some some big time yards, especially in critical areas of the field. So give me the under. I think this is the first pick we've disagreed on in mm -hmm. the whole pick em and all of the over under tonight. I'm going to take the over. I think it's another big night for Jalen. I think his push to New York City has started, and he's going to have a big night. Tilly's taking the uh, over on this one. Okay, we got time. A couple minutes here I want to ask you, because I think the most fascinating thing about this game on Saturday is the Oklahoma defense. Mm -hmm. They play seven games of great football. They play two and a half games where they really struggle, and then scintillating again in the second half against Baylor on Saturday. What's your gut tell you? What are we going to see Saturday night? Well, I think they're going to play well. Um, you know, if, if we can force some turnovers, that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Whenever you can force a couple of big turnovers whenever you have to have it. Uh, you know, and I'll, I'll go back to the some of the talking points I had a week ago, both Kansas State and Iowa State coming off bye weeks whenever they played us. Our defense is unique in the way we play our front and some of the different things that we do. So I, I think that was definite benefit for Kansas State and Iowa State. Now, Baylor, the first half, I, you know, they had a, a decent little game plan with the quarterback running game and stuff like that. But uh, we got that fixed up pretty nicely. You know, I think they'll play well against TCU. TCU, I don't believe, is a 
I don't think they're on the, the higher end offensively in this conference. Um, Purdy was the leading passer whenever we faced them. Um, whenever you go back to Kansas State, some of the unique stuff that they do is, is not something else that you face in the, in the Big 12. I mean, we've seen this TCU offense before, right? We, we've seen uh, a lot of the stuff that they do. There's nothing real different about it. Um, the biggest threat that they have is Jalen Rager, who if they go deep to him and make a concerted effort, that's where the problems could be. Kickoff 7 p.m. on Saturday night on Owen Field. We'll be on the air with you for the pregame show on the Sooner Radio Network at 5 o'clock. Nice job, my man. That's Teddy Lehman. Stay with us. Lincoln Riley's coming up next. Boomer Sooner, everybody.